Good morning. How are you guys? Good? All right. Hey, uh, we are looking forward to the fall. There's a lot of fun stuff uh, getting ready to um, launch, and so we're excited about that. Hope you guys are excited about that as well. And I just reiterate uh, what BJ just said. If you're not signed up for Rooted, we'd love to have you guys in, in one of those groups because that's something we're going to try and um, kind of lay a groundwork for our whole congregation together and our life together in that. Um, last week, I'm gonna bonk some of this stuff over if I don't move it. Sorry, Al. Get that out of the way a second. Last week, I, I talked a little bit about... Um, uh, over human history, and we talked about how there have been some amazing things that have been accomplished over human history. And I, I'm gonna start there again, kind of tie it into that. But I mean, think of some of the most amazing things that you can think of that, that we have actually seen accomplished over the course of, of history, of, as long as history's been taken. I mean, just the things, I, do you guys realize, I mean, we don't think about it anymore, but we fly now, Right? When did that happen? We go in and we see illnesses and medicine. We have medicines that actually either keep them away or take care of them because understand what's going on. We, we, can, we can pull out a cell phone and, and actually talk to somebody by a picture who's not anywhere close to us in real time. That's amazing, isn't it? I don't know if you guys have been following this, but uh, actually yesterday... NASA was supposed to launch another one of their rockets. It's their newest rocket. It was called uh, the Artemis. And it was going to um, get back on track to put people back on the moon. And even today, you're going, how did we do that? Right? We've had, there are 12 people that have actually walked on the moon. And you think, how in the world? How did we ever accomplish that? Well, the Artemis was gonna start that, and now they're saying, but it wasn't just to get people to the moon, it was to actually set up a moon base so that then we can launch people to Mars. And you're going, that just, that blows my mind that we're even thinking about just going to crazy places like that. I have a hard time, you know, you dive down too deep and you're going, wow, I'm way out of my league here, right? That's on Earth. And we're sending people into the stars. You know, I found out about NASA's work this week because I was actually doing some research for the passage that we're gonna read from out of the book of Ephesians. And you're going, what in the world does Ephesians have to do with rocket ships? But it ends up in the, in the town of Ephesus, which was where the church was located to which this letter was written. There was this huge structure, one of the greatest, you know, largest structures in all of the ancient world. It was one of the seven wonders of the world, and it was the temple that was dedicated to Artemis, of all people, which is the name of the rocket that's shooting up with NASA. So Artemis uh, was the twin sister of, of Apollo. And you remember the first you know, lunar program by NASA was Apollo. Well, Artemis was his twin sister. She was actually the goddess of the moon. And the Ephesians believed that she had come down to earth, that she had fallen down to the earth at that very spot. And so they built this big temple. And when I say big... I mean, it was huge. It was all marble. It was six stories tall, and it covered the equivalent of about seven football fields. Now, even in our day, that would just blow your mind to see somebody putting a temple together like that, a building together like that. But in those days, it was just astounding what they had accomplished. And so I, I thought it kind of funny that here we are, right, living in the shadow of these towers that are launching us into Artemis's realm, Right, And there they were living in the shadow of this big temple that was built 
to remember where an Artemis kind of came down into our realm. And what these words are about, I think that Paul kind of picks up on that theme because he's talking about how is it that we are supposed to accomplish that impossible task that God has laid out for us, that impossible goal that he said is his one goal that we as a community would somehow accurately that we would express, that we would live out, that we would, that we would show the very person of Jesus Christ who is exalted in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God above all power and authority, above every name that's named, all that, that we would, ex- that we would exemplify him, that he would, we would somehow embody his very person, this person of the Son of God here on this earth. How is that even possible? We go, if that were to be accomplished, that would truly be the most amazing accomplishment that has ever happened in the midst of human history. Ephesians is God's plan on how he says that we can see that happen, that can be done among us. So stand with me as we're gonna read from Ephesians chapter four. It's just a part of this plan, but it's really the center of this book. It's this kind of core of this plan Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. This high calling to be, this this expression of Jesus with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. One body and one spirit, just as you were also called in one hope of your baptism, or one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You guys, as we move forward in this, into this fall, and as we move beyond this fall, into this calling that God has for who we are to be as a part of his church and as an expression of his church, in this, in this region, in this town and beyond. It's one thing for us to, to say that we are reflecting Jesus in the way that we individually live our lives, in the way that we individually kind of, that I show him in, in my way through my own life. But it's a whole other level to say that, no, we reflect Jesus in the way he has called us and to learn how to reflect him together. So that people look at this church and they say, you know what? When I see them, I see Jesus. Amen? You guys, that's what we're called to be and to do. So today's message is titled, Called Together. Let's pray. Father, man, that is, that's a challenge uh, to think about. I mean, we're, we're blown away when we think about going to the moon. We're blown away when we think about um, building huge structures. But Father, uh, what you want us to be blown away by is, is thinking about how you can work and live in and through us in a way that people see your son, even though he's not physically here that they see his love and his grace, his person, his care, his power, his authority, his gentleness, his humility, that they see Jesus. 
not just in me, not just in one or the other, but Father, in even the way that we interact, in the way that we live, in the way that we pursue you together, and we pursue your work and your grace in this world together. So Father, uh, we can't do that. That is unattainable to us. That's like us trying to build a a ladder to the skies. Father, you have said that you, you have made these things possible through the work of your son, through your, this was your intent. This was your plan from the beginning. And Jesus, that you came and you did all the heavy lifting. You did all the work at the cross and then you pour out upon us and in us. You saturate us, you fill us, you surround us with your spirit who then empowers us to do things that are far beyond ourselves. Father, Pray that you would come and change our minds and change our hearts, open our eyes to see not just the things that you called us to, but how we might get there. Because this world needs Jesus. They don't need us. They need Jesus. So show us these things, we pray, for your glory, for your name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. You guys, I have been um, teaching this, this out of this book of Ephesians for a long time. It's the blueprint, basically, of what it means to be the uh, body of Christ. And so as I was thinking about, as we go into the fall, and, and the fall is just kind of that season that in our rhythm, it just is the beginning of kind of a new, a new thing. And so I, I, this is an important thing for us to look at. And a lot of times we, we look at this book, and it's this blueprint for how are we to be the body of Christ. And it's not... You see in this book that it's not some side option, you know, that, that life together, that community aspect is not some side option of God's plan. That is God's plan. That is the very revelation that God wanted to bring us into in Christ. Because it says in Ephesians that Jesus Christ, there's one body and there's one head. Jesus Christ is the head of the body who's in heaven, and we are the one body on earth that he shows himself through. Just as a, uh, my head, whatever's going on in my head, I try and express that and I do the work through the members of my body. Jesus is doing that through us. So he is making himself known and making his will known through his church. And so each, both in heaven, we have a representative who's in heaven representing us in Christ and he has a representative on earth that's representing him in all of his glory and all of his, his, his gentleness and goodness and his grace and, and we're it. And that is God's plan. And, and his plan is that Jesus would, in fact, be the head. That, that we wouldn't be trying to do this. We wouldn't be coming up with our own ideas. That we would be following his instructions and his, that through his Holy Spirit, he makes known to us that he would open up, this is how we're going to get this done, his work. And so um, I've been teaching about this, but if you think about what was what's said there, it's just amazing. I mean, it should just it should just astound us what it's saying because it's it's a crazy thought. It's an impossibility that somehow we. I mean, take a look at us, right? <laughs> just look around us that somehow we would together become this the very reflection of the person and the power of God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And, and the way that Ephesians puts it, that somehow we would reflect the one who has, 
has been raised from the dead, who's seated at the right hand of God. It says, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that's named, not only in this age, but in the one to, to come, and that has everything placed under his feet, that we, would re, that we would represent him. And that all that power and that authority and that glory, that it's not being used to crush and to oppress, but it's, it's being used to carry out, continue the work that he started, which is to show the very compassion and grace and goodness of God. That we would be that. And that people would look at us and they would say, not just, you know, Ephesians, in Ephesians 1, one of the terms that it uses, and it uses it a couple of times, that we would become the fullness of him. Not just that we'd be, a, uh, you could kind of, if you squinted and looked from a distance, you could say, yeah, they kind of remind me of Jesus a little bit. We would become the fullness of him as his people. Well, that's amazing. But you say, well, how, how in the world do we get there, right? And, and Ephesians 4 starts out and it says, well, first, we walk worthy of the calling with which we are called. That's the calling that we're called to, right? It's to be the body of Christ, to be the reflection of Christ, of Jesus on this earth. But we walk worthy of that. And you think worthy of that. I mean, worthy of that. That means worthy of the blood that Jesus spilled. Worthy of that. Worthy of the suffering that he went through, worthy of the sacrifice that he made, worthy of the way that it says in Philippians, he put aside his glory. Really, worthy? He, he put aside his glory and came down to live among us and to bring us into all of that. Worthy of the example that he set for us in his life. Worthy of the fact that God has constantly had his attention on us, that his spirit has constantly been pursuing us and relentlessly be pursuing us. Worthy of the power that God has to expend in order to transform us from the broken ones that we are into the glorious children of God. Worthy of that. Worthy of the name that last week we talked about, you know, that we have been embedded into the very name of God. Worthy of that. And you go, how in the world... Can we ever be worthy of that? I mean, I look at my life and I go, I'm not worthy, <laughs> right? Anybody with me? And he's going, I don't know. I fall kind of short of that a little bit, right? Worthy of that. What's interesting is that at this point when Paul answers that question, what does it mean to walk worthy of that? He doesn't go into this idea of like moral perfection or personal purity. He doesn't talk about those things. Now, he's going to talk about those later because those are a part of it, and that's important. What we do is important. But at this point, he says, you know what? You know what it means to be worthy of that call? He talks about unity, about how we live together, about how we pursue unity in this bond of, of peace. He says, how, how do we become the body of Christ living together and like in harmony? How do we care for each other? How do we connect with each other? How do we share life together? He says, that's how we pursue this calling, this upward call of the life of Christ. Unity, that's what honors God. And it's not, it's not just this kind of uh, a frivolous, kind of I won't bother you if you don't bother me togetherness kind of unity. It's not talking about that, right? 
It's not, it's not talking about the, the, the kind of, uh, the kind of um, sharing of the same space and we just won't, we won't look into any of the challenging details of our lives or of God's plan. We'll just kind of stay on the surface. It's not talking about that. It's talking about that hard work of learning what it means to become the very people of God, the very body of Christ. The less do the hard work of, of honoring and committing ourselves to God and all that we are and committing ourselves to each other and all that we have and all that we do. I mean, that's, that's the hard work. It, it's about connection. It's about care. I mean, when we, when we call you guys and we say, hey, we'd love for you guys to be a part of small groups, that's why. Because we gotta do the hard work. And we say, oh, well, I don't have time. We have to make the time to be the body of Christ. When we say, you know what, it's important to pursue forgiveness and important to pursue things like reconciliation, it's important to pursue those things. Why? Because that's the hard work. The easy part is to, is to show up and maybe sing songs together or show up at Goddard and have a celebration and have some food together. That's easy. The hard work is to be the body of Christ so that when people look at us, they go, wow, that, that looks like Jesus. That's tough. But that's what God says our calling is. He says, you know what, if we're, not, if we're not doing that, if we're not pursuing that, we're not really pursuing Jesus. We're not following what this whole set is about where our head is in heaven and we are his body. So what does that, that kind of bond, that kind of pursuit require? Well, this morning I wanna give us, I wanna give us three phrases that I think, it's not gonna cover everything, we could dig into all kinds of things, but I think it's gonna give us some areas that if we will work on these things, I think we will make some great strides in being, finding ourselves brought together in unity in Christ. Okay, so if there was anything that you're gonna write down, this would be it. If there was anything you're gonna go back and review this at a later time, this would be it. But we're gonna have three phrases. I try to make them easy to remember so that we can take them with, uh, with us as we go. But uh, these are things that I think that will help us as we pursue the unity that Christ calls us to as his body. So first phrase is this, my words and God's word. Can you guys say that? My words and God's word. Now, half of you guys weren't awake yet, so I'm gonna give you another shot. My words and God's word, okay? Pretty easy to remember that. Okay, my words, what are we talking about? Proverbs 18, 21, it says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. We need to know that our words have the ability to create, destroy, has the ability to build up or to tear down. And we choose which we will do with our words. That's up to us. So as we go into the fall, as we go into the future together as God's people, I think one of the things that builds up the unity of the body of Christ is that we choose life. We choose life in our words so that we choose to say, you know what? I'm gonna let my words be those of encouragement, those of grace, those of building up, those of instruction, those of thanksgiving, those of praise to God for what he's doing because he's doing amazing things. That's that's one of the encouraging parts. When you guys saw that video, wasn't that encouraging? You're just going, that is awesome to see people that are saying, God is moving in my life in this way. So it builds up God's people. I have heard some amazing stories from some of you guys 
about what God is doing in your life. And it has, it has elevated my faith. It has lifted me up. I have heard some of the ways that you guys are encouraging each other, that you're coming alongside of each other, that you're speaking into each other's lives. And that, that calls at me. It tugs at me to say, you need to get better at that too. Now, unfortunately, I've also heard the stories about those who have been, not just those who have been, I've heard the stories about the undermining that goes on and some of the, the dishonoring kind of gossip that is out there. You guys, there has been slander that's been out there about individuals. And I know this is going to, I don't like to talk about the ugly stuff. I wish we could just talk about the good stuff in Jesus, but we're broken. And if we don't root this one out, it will become a cancer that tears us down. This one thing. There's been slander about individuals, about leaders, about staff, about ministry directors, about ministry directions, about how the leaders that we choose are doing their job, about how people are doing, living their lives. You guys, there has been false stuff said that's been shot out there. God will never be honored by that. God's body will never be brought together by that, never be strengthened by that. You guys, there are ways to disagree without dishonoring others. There are ways to ask, find understanding without undermining. There are ways to go at that, that we can have hard conversations that we don't have to tear each other apart. Because (laughs) I was thinking about that. There are ways to live this life together and to go through some of the hard things that we go through together without playing into the hand, actually, of the one who would love to see us torn apart. Because we do have an enemy who would love to see nothing more than to see this body of people torn apart and kept from doing what God has planned and has equipped us to do in this world and to make Jesus known. So with that, we just have to stop doing that. We need to choose life. And don't choose death. We have the power. God has given us an amazing power. Along with that, I would just want to give you one more thing along that. It doesn't matter what your words are like. They can be speaking life everywhere. But if you choose to let others speak into your life with poison or to hang out with those primarily and let them feed you with their poison, you will begin to speak poison as well. And it breaks my heart to watch people change and to be, watch people who come in so excited and enthusiastic and positive and just filled with just wonder at all that God is doing and seeing them over the course of time just be turned into those who just, they're complaining and they're, they're they, I don't know. They, they, lose their, they lose their footing, they lose their, they lose their faith in even who Jesus is. You guys, our words are powerful. My words matter. And I wanted to make it personal. That's why I didn't just say our words. It is about our words. It's my words. And each one of us needs to say that. So my words. What do we mean about God's word? So my words and God's word. And God's word, well, 
You guys, I want you guys to know that in this place, one of the things that we believe is that God has spoken to us through his word. And that's essential. Because I can come up with my own ideas and you can come up with yours, but man, we're gonna fight it out until somebody speaks from outside of that and God has spoken. It's in his word. So we will always be those who put ourselves under God's word, right? To be led and transformed by it rather than over God's word to somehow shape it to what we think and what we believe and what we would like to be true, what we're most comfortable with. What that means practically is that, yeah, we're most often gonna kind of stand in a different place than what we see in the world around us on all kinds of things, on social issues, on political stands, on, on fads, on, on pursuits, on, on trends, on what life is about, philosophy of life. We're going to stand in a very different place. We're gonna have a very different perspective. Why? Because we believe that God's word is always a filter to what we see and what we hear. Amen? And what that means is, no, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna ignore things like science. We're not gonna ignore things like psychology. We're not gonna ignore those things. We, God's people have always believed that God speaks through the world that he created with his word. But he has left us his word in, his, in scripture. He has left us his word that becomes a filter by which we understand those things. So if we find conflict between between what this world believes and what this world is about, and it's, we find that it's obviously at odds with what God has clearly said. And I don't mean discovering, that we have misconceptions at times about what God's word says, and we can dig into that, but what God's word obviously says, we're gonna go with God. God's word is everything. That's where we find our unity. So my words, God's word. Can we take that and run with it? Second one, my presence and God's presence. Can I say that one? My presence, God's presence. My presence, what do we mean by that? You know the greatest power that's been given to us, how do we accomplish the things that God has set before us? He said he gave us a gift, which is the ability, my presence before him in prayer. God said that is, that is the greatest power in the universe. Jesus says, it says in, in uh, Hebrews that Jesus opened up the way so that we might boldly approach the throne of grace. That we might go whenever we have a need or something that's over, that's where we're over our heads, we can always have access to God. My presence before God. He says that's, that's where everything starts. You guys, we will always choose prayer I'm gonna put it this way over what I call politics. Now, what do I mean by politics? I mean, politics is when you're trying to do what we find in this world, you're trying to get, accomplish things in your own power. You're trying to spin a message so that you get the most support. You're trying to gather a coalition so that you have the most kind of influence. You're trying to gain these, you're trying to make investments into these things so that you get the greatest income kind of to your account. That's that's what I would call the world and its system is politics. And we will choose prayer. Why? Because prayer is, turns out everything on its head. It's not about us, not about our power. It's not about my ability to get things done on my own. It's not God saying, you gotta work on this harder. It's me going to God saying, I'm out of my league. If you don't work, if you don't act, 
we're sunk. We choose prayer over politics because we believe that nothing good will ever be accomplished, nothing good will ever be accomplished that doesn't start in prayer, that isn't immersed in prayer on its way through, that doesn't emerge from prayer. If it doesn't have its life in prayer, in our presence before God, that we can trace it back and say, you know where this good thing came from? It came from this, this place where I was seeking God and as a gift, he poured it out. That's where the greatest things, that's where the impossible things in this world come from. How many of you guys are seeking impossible things right now in your life? Come on, right? I mean, I'm talking about the most important things that are in your life, the things like, what about the success and the, just the health or the, the, the care of your, your kids, maybe? Something completely out of your control. What about as you look out in this world and you see the brokenness, even in the people you love and you see their lives imploding, and you're going, that's out of my league. What about as you look on the world scene or, or just the planet and the health of the planet, and you're going, we're over our heads in this stuff, Right? How many of you are seeking things that are, that are out of your control, that are impossible? All of us. And God says, that's why. Prayer. My presence before God. You guys, this isn't just about saying a, an obligatory prayer like in the course of a Sunday morning. It's not just about saying a prayer over a meal. This is about when God's people get together to pray. And they intentionally gather together in order to seek him, in order to lift up to him those things that we are out of, and to hear from him, how are we supposed to go at this life? My presence before God. I'm gonna put in an advertisement here because every, every uh, Sunday night, 6.30, we have a group of people that meets here, right here, to pray. And I'm gonna invite you guys to come and to be a part of that. If you have 6.30 on Sunday night free, I'd encourage you to be here to pray. Now, that's not a guilt trip. Some of you guys are legitimately, you're busy or you're just worn out and you're preparing for Monday morning. Okay. But I can tell you that if we don't pray, if we're not praying together, we're not gonna, we won't remain together, let alone accomplish anything together. Prayer is where God starts. The second, so my presence, God's presence The second half of this is that God's presence, so my presence before him, his presence with us is the other piece of this, right? Because we're not gonna accomplish anything unless it's of his spirit, unless the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is accomplishing that. He's the only one that can do these impossible things. So this fall, as you go into this fall, you guys, I want you to make it a point and to make it a goal of yours to spend time and to spend focus to get to know the Holy Spirit better. Get to know him. Get to know him better. Find out more how he can best work in you and through you, how you can make yourself available to him, how you can recognize when he's at work versus when you're at work, his thoughts versus your thoughts, his words that are his guidance versus your own kind of best ideas. And you guys, when we, when we go with the Holy Spirit, what he's trying to accomplish is not the best that we can do, but is better than anything we can even imagine, right? So what that means is that you're gonna have to probably step out into places that are a little risky feeling to you at times when you pursue the Holy Spirit. 
You're going to have to do things that bring you out of kind of where you, uh, you find yourself most naturally or where you feel most comfortable in being and what feels most familiar to you. You're gonna have to place yourself in places because God says that he hasn't just given you natural talents for this world. He hasn't just given you these, these um, talents and abilities that, you're just, that you were born with and that you're wired into you. He says that he makes available to you these, these giftings, these empowerments through his Holy Spirit that allow you to do beyond anything you could even imagine yourself doing. Because he is asking us to accomplish things that are beyond our ability to accomplish. So he says, look for those things. So look for God's presence. Get to know his Holy Spirit better. We need to know him if we're going to be his people. We don't find unity as the body without the one spirit of God that he's given to us. So my presence, God's presence, last one is this. My work God's work. Say that with me. My work, God's work. So we have three so far, right? What was the first one about? My words, God's word. My presence, God's presence. My work, God's work. What is my part in all of this? My work. Well, my work, according to Ephesians 4, is that I would be diligent to attend to that work that he's doing in me into becoming that person. Now this does is where it kind of zeroes it into that individual piece of it. I need to be that part of the body of Christ that reflects Jesus, even in the very person that I am. So I need to attend to the work that he's doing in my life. Last week, I encouraged you guys, find somebody out there that God has, has prepared you to pour into their life. And that was half of it. But the other half was find somebody that God is prepared to pour into and to speak into your life, to help you do the hard work of self-discipleship, of self-discipline, of growing in Christ yourself. In Matthew uh, 7, 3 through 5, Jesus said, do you know how you help someone get a speck out of their own eye? You first pull the log out of yours, right? So he says, do some attending to what is going on in your heart and in your life. Work on those habits, those nagging habits that, that cause you to, to treat people or to communicate or to you know, that just throw your life off the rails. Work on those things. Because he says, you know what? We will always be developed in ourselves before God will call us into developing others. Always. Now that doesn't mean you have to wait till you're perfect. But my part is not to decide when I'm perfect enough to go tell other people how to live. My part is just follow Jesus in developing those things inside and wait for him to call you. And he will. He'll make that call known. So do the work of becoming the person that God has called you to be before, before, and so that we might develop into the people that we need to be in order to do the work that he's called us to do. That's my part, to hear him, to follow him, but to do that work. Second part, what is God's part? What is God's work? Well, God's work <laughs> is to do everything else, right? I mean, he does the stuff that we can't possibly do. He does the impossible. He, he ties us together. He provides his spirit. He saves us. He transforms us. He empowers his word. So as we make ourselves available to us, to him, we become more and more like Jesus, right? Right? 
He does that work. He also does the work of calling us into other people's lives. Leave that to him, right? I mean, it's easy. It's easy for me. I know it's easy for you to look at somebody else's life and say, you know what would help them if they cleaned up this, this, and this. And you know what? Usually those three things are dead wrong because we usually are looking on the outside and God's looking at the heart and he's saying, you know, you know what's most important is this, this, and this. And if we're not listening to him, we're not gonna hear him say those things. And if we're not attending to him, this person might not even be the person he wants us, he doesn't even want us to mess with them because he's calling us over to some other place, other person completely. So you guys, God's part of the work. He's doing the work. And he's doing the work in us. So our part is just let him do that work and let him do the calling. That's why we pray, isn't it? Right, all these things that are the impossible things that we're trying to see God actually accomplish in our lives. And we look out there and we see, we see the sicknesses that we just can't even touch in other people's lives. We're going, God, you have to, we pray. We say, God, you have to do that work. But show me what I can do in the midst of that to come alongside you and what you're doing and what I can't possibly accomplish, but that I know through you I can be a part of, right? What's my work? What's God's work? And God says, you know what? I haven't called you. I want you to hear this. I haven't called you to work harder to make things right in this world. Do you know that? He has not called us to on our own work harder to make everything better. He's called us instead. He said, I want you to be my people. I want you to be my body. I want you to be, I want you to be listening to my word. I want you to be careful about how you use the power of your own words. I want you to be placing yourself under my word so then and be listening for me. I want you to know, I want you to constantly be in my presence so that you are listening and hearing what I have to say and be listening for my presence in you. I want you to know what your work is so that you're becoming more like Jesus so that I can send you out and I can call you out and I can send you and equip you and make you ready so that you can. You're equipped to change this world. You guys, some of you guys have been released into God's work and you doing astounding things in Jesus' name. Some of you, it's happening through these you know, very public kind of big things. Some of you, it's just because of the way that you interact with people. It's just you come alongside and you love them well. Or it's just that one word that you happen to speak to that person that's standing next to you at the grocery store, in your workplace, or in your school, or, and, and you're, you just speak that word, and, and that is doing the work of God and being God's people. But we need to know, what, what is my work? What is God's work? So say these three with me. My words, God's word. My presence, God's presence, my work, God's work. You guys, I I really believe that if we would just take those three phrases, if we would just work on those things, we would see God work among us in a way that we haven't, in, in a way that would just blow our minds. We would see God accomplish things in us that we would otherwise say that that seemed impossible what God was able to do. Because this is his calling. This is what it means to walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called. High calling to reflect Jesus. 
So I wanna encourage you, you know, if you want to, go back and um, read the book of Ephesians. See if these things aren't there. Read the New Testament. See if these things aren't found in the New Testament. God highlights these things, our words, God's words, all that. I wanna encourage you, if you have time tonight, to join us at 6.30. You guys, I can't tell you how important prayer is. What happens in our times of prayer? Nothing that happens in this church that is of any significance arises that doesn't arise out of prayer. Nothing. We can work our fingers to the bone. It's not gonna matter if we're not praying. And so I wanna encourage you guys, if you have the time for you, join us at 6.30, and we will learn how to pray, how to seek God together. But God's impossible purpose in this world for us is attainable if we will just walk the walk, the walk that's worthy of the calling. Amen?